to this FTI Treasury Talks where we're going to be discussing uh, some of the key uh, decision-making factors when looking at uh, implementing liquidity or uh, pooling structure uh, for your organisation. Uh, my name is Justin Callaghan and I'm the Chief Executive uh, of FTI Treasury uh, and I'm delighted to be joined this morning by uh, Eileen Murray who's uh, one of our managers in our front office uh, operations here and uh, Shane O'Keefe who is our Head of Innovation and also manages our back office operations. Uh, the purpose of today's talk is really just to have a look at uh, many of the key things that an organisation should look at uh, when uh, looking to implement a new liquidity or pooling structure. Uh, we're lucky enough here at FTI Treasury to have over 30 years experience in uh, managing pooling structures uh, and implementing them for clients. So we just want to bring a little bit of our experience uh, in that regard uh, to you this morning. So with uh, uh, no, no more delay, <laughs> let's get into the conversation. Uh, I suppose, Shane, we manage a, a huge number of pooling structures on behalf of clients. Uh, before we look at some of the sort of decision-making uh, factors that go around looking at which is the correct one, you know, what are the common structures that you tend to see that are implemented? Uh, across the clients that we currently manage, the most common structure would be a hybrid uh, between a, a multi-currency notional pool and a ZBA under that. Uh, we do have around, what, 40 ZBA structures uh, across 20 banks currently that we manage and then on a, we've around a third of them have a layered multinational currency pool above that. Then we do have a few outliers as well where we might have a virtual account set up and some Scandinavian cash pool structures but in the main it is more a ZBA with uh, a multi-currency notional pool. So it's it's really. interesting that with all of the uh, kind of advances that uh, the banks will have us mm -hmm. um, believe have been implemented in, in recent times, actually it's still one of the more basic structures, the zero balancing arrangement that uh, is still probably one of the most popular, would that be fair to say? Yeah, it's just the easiest to manage and implement. Yeah, really. interesting, interesting. And, yeah. and virtual bank accounts and all that sort of stuff, have you seen much action in that area? Or? Uh, it was the buzzword a couple of years ago, but it just hasn't seemed to have got much traction with the clients that we manage. The ones that we do, it's just not as seamless uh, as the old-fashioned ZBA notional structures. And it may be in years to come, but it still probably has a few teething yeah. problems. Interesting. And uh, tell me, Shane, like, I suppose, you know, gone are the days when uh, a corporate would look to sort of implement a, a, you know, a single banking structure with a single bank mm. you know, across the whole globe. So I guess that's throwing some multi-bank complexities into, into, into cash pooling and liquidity management. Yeah, across all of the cash pools that we manage, there is some third-party sweeps uh, linked to all of them. It's nearly impossible to have all your bank accounts with one dedicated bank. Uh, depending on the clients that we manage, some of them have gone very unique where they'll have a specific bank for each currency and have a ZBA pooling structure there and then they'll have from that header account sweeping that back to their main banking partner while other people will have just uh, the, their header accounts held at the, their main banking partner and the local accounts feeding directly into that. It does make it a little bit more complex but we'll discuss that later on yeah. when we're going through the 
bit of it. And stuff. Yeah. Interesting. So yeah, even even on the multi-bank basis, it's still obviously the physical sweeping that we're seeing has been yeah. has been more popular. Yeah. So all of these processes, Eileen, <laughs> yeah. they they have to be managed, right? Uh, and and obviously you're sort of at the coal face of that, uh, being a front office dealer here and sort of managing those structures. You know, from from your perspective, what are some of the advantages or disadvantages of the different sort of structures between ZBA and, and notional pooling, the likes that you see? Um, I suppose like with the physical sweeping from a cash managing daily point of view i find as a cash manager you're more in control of the flows you see exactly what's hitting your account and then it's i suppose giving you how you want to deal with that whether it's invested um a knock on from that then obviously the actual practical management of it that you know may trigger swaps fx swaps on your cash management um again like the the structure that shane referred to the multinational cash pooling mm-hmm. Um, again, that works well from a cash management daily point of view. You get to offset your long positions with your short positions, and that reduces the number of effects that are required on your cash on a daily basis. So that's obviously a, a main benefit to that because yeah. you're reducing your operational costs and yeah. maximizing liquidity yeah. at the same time. So it's kind of a the, the hybrid solution has benefits from an operational perspective in that you've got control of the cash from a yes. physical perspective but then as you say when you have the multi-currency notional pool laid on top yeah. it sort of reduces your requirement for swaps does, yeah. i guess the downside is probably expense right it's uh, yes it is it's costly it's costly yeah. to put in place and yeah. um but again i suppose those costs for me again as a person doing it on the daily basis i think that the benefits outweigh the costs yeah in my understood mind. Yeah. yeah and i think also probably there is an issue with credit with banks in terms of the multi-currency notional pools and that you know, they only allow a certain amount of debit credit offset before they get a little bit concerned about yes, the gross yes, debt. So I guess you, got, you, you probably end up managing uh, a, a, an element of working capital in the multi-currency notional pool with sort of longer term structural funding in the in, yeah. in, 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 in the liquidity swaps. Would that be kind of that, a reasonable? That would be very true, yeah, and reasonable. And I suppose they put different thresholds in place so that it keeps you within the bandwidth that they've kind of applied and yeah. the rules that they've put on you within yeah. that. But again, um, like that, it's reducing the operational need on a daily basis with, yeah. you know, the swaps and yeah. that kind of. So from so so really evaluating that, I guess, up front when you're looking at this, you know, from a decision making perspective and what would work for you in your in-house bank or your or your organisation in general, you know, probably knowing the end state and how that's going to be managed is probably an important um, consideration. It is absolutely yes. Yeah. Yeah. Shane. Uh, uh, you do a lot of work as head of innovation here at FDI Treasury in terms of integrating systems. And obviously, there's a huge amount of um, uh, evolution that's happened in that space over the last you know, well, the last five years in particular, but probably in, in the last two or three years, there's been an exceptional uh, growth in that. You know, when you're, when you're, when you're looking, I suppose, at uh, uh, which system or which liquidity pool might work for you, what sort of integration should you be con- considering? Uh, so, um, if we take a big picture, uh, like usually what you're trying to feed it into is your treasury management system uh, so that you can track the intercompany loans if you have the ZBA. And then you also want to look at it from a cash forecasting and balanced reporting point of view. So, um, you know, with, with the ZBA structure, the main things that we need to do, especially if there's a third party bank sweeps happening, is like how are they going to be identified in the systems because they are um, so like the, normally on an MTE940 you will have a CMZ transaction code linked to uh, sweeps within the same bank but once you go to a third party bank you don't have that 
so it can be a bit more difficult to get your system to identify that. So you just need to take into consideration that and then from more, that's for the intercompany loan tracking and from a cash balance reporting, you know, it's just what, what um, file formats you want to feed, feed in with the change now on from the Swift MT940 to the newer versions, you know, has, is your system able to cope with that? You'll, we'll need to monitor that in the next couple of months because that's supposed to be moving more and more to the new version, I think, in the early 2024. So, that so that's, that's very specific to the monitoring mm. of intercompany mm. loans sort of mm. arising from zero, zero balancing. Like, like, like outside of the treasury realm, though, I guess, if you're, if you're making this decision, you kind of need to take into consideration mm. other parts of the organisation, I, I suppose, from, a, from yes. an ERP integration and a, and a forecasting system integration. Yeah, so like from your ERP, um, so like mostly you're hoping to be able to connect through a host-to-host -host situation where your uh, all your payments are linked to the the banking system, where then uh, that's all linked to your cash pool structure. Uh, you didn't want that ERP to feed into your cash forecasting as well, so that when uh, you are doing the cash management from a front office point of view, that you have an accurate picture of where you're going to be at the end of every day. Um, and the, the transfer of in information between the, the systems, depending if you have one system covers all, yeah. uh, ideally you have that. Yeah. But, you know, as we've experienced ourselves, sometimes it's nice to have a bespoke piece of software for each function because yeah. it can be a bit more customizable to what your needs are. So it's uh, good to sort of have a look at all the cash forecasting systems, not just take one system does all approach sometimes. So like, I suppose we've discussed there a number of things, like like in terms of uh, of common structures, uh, we're still seeing ZBA, zero balancing arrangements, or some kind of physical sweeping as being probably one of the most common deployed, but there are a lot of niceties that can be laid on top of that in terms of the multi-currency notional pools, and in particular interbank um, sweeping and the likes. I think Eileen, you would, you would mention that like, understanding uh, how you want the process to work in the long term is, is a kind of a, a fairly essential element of the decision-making process and, and indeed how you're going to manage that, be it in-house or outsourced or whatever. Um, and Shane, you've discussed there some of the integration um, elements that need to be uh, considered between treasury management system, forecasting, ERP, and God knows what else. Yeah. I mean, there's probably a whole range of other potential systems in terms of FX trading systems and the likes. So, so to bring it back, you know, to pair it back to kind of the basics, you know, <laughs> if you were starting with a blank sheet uh, and you were looking at an organisation and trying to define, you know, what would be the best pooling um, or liquidity structure. For them, what what are some of the key things that you think, like you know, you 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 would you would throw into that mix? Cash flow, I suppose, their cash flow requirements is obviously key. Um, number of subsidiaries, number of currencies involved, if it's going to be multi currency, um, and I suppose just their global footprint. Yeah. You know. Yeah. How, how far reaching are they across? Um, yeah. Yeah, and like how many banks do their subsidiaries operate in yeah. are you able to consolidate that into let's say one bank per region or you know is there local regulatory requirements where yeah. you might have to have a, a local bank account is is it then able to sweep if it's uh to the main header account or cash pool uh do you, you know some uh to cut down the number of intercompany loans uh some people i've seen uh, uh setting up uh, like a, a sub pools below it. So like you concentrate all the sweeps 
for one entity into that into one account within the multinational cash pool, and then manage. You can still manage the cash management over that, yeah. which works as well efficiently enough. Yeah. You know, you get so it's interesting. Both of you there are really saying that understanding the underlying requirements are are sort of the key things that will that will drive you towards what sort of structure what sort of structure would, would suit you. So really gathering data up front, understanding your currency mix, your jurisdictional footprint, the number of banks you're with and who those banks are, and if there's an opportunity for, for, for rationalizing, uh, and understanding just the values that are outstanding, I guess, um, are, are some of, the, some of the key things to, to, to throw into the mix. And that can really drive you then towards, well, we've obviously got, we won't even go down the regulatory and, and tax yeah. environment that, yeah. that kind of plays in on top. I guess yeah. the Treasury yeah. needs to sort of have a concept of where they want to be before you before you layer that in. But those sort of ele elements all need to be thrown in, in, into the mix. And I guess like it's important to gather that information and define it right up, up front in a, in, in, a for, in, in a formal way and then develop, I guess, an RFP uh, yeah. for your banks to, 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 to make sure that you have a, an adequate and, and comprehensive response and like some of the banks will have different solutions for you, like uh, especially with the multinational, as we discussed earlier, the cost for that, like yeah. the the cost range between different banks is huge. Like some of them are will charge you both for having positive and negative balances, while others are a lot more friendly. So it will depend on what bank. All banks are friendly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> True, but uh, yeah, like it will depend on the costing structure yeah. that, that you'll get from yeah. the RFP. Uh, yeah. So it's uh, so so defining your requirements, yeah. getting a good response from a bank, and being able to do a, a quantitative evaluation mm -hmm. of, of that really is is the is the process yeah. I guess to be mm -hmm. followed to, to define your liquidity structure. Sh Shane, you, you 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 mentioned well we've mentioned ZBA mm -hmm. quite a lot, and, mm -hmm. and I guess one of the things that we come across um, uh, quite frequently when talking to clients, and, and if you're discussing ZBAs or target balances or any kind of physical um, physical pooling. It's sort of the, the, the hassle that the intercompanies uh, that are created as a result of that can kind of bring and, mm. and people kind of get a little bit scared off about the, the level of work that might be required um, to, to manage that. What's, what's your sort of view on that? Well, as, as long as you have the technology infrastructure, the, the amount of resources that you have to apply to managing the tracking of that should be reduced significantly. Like, as long as you have good connectivity between your bank and your treasury management system, you should be able to set it up where every morning all your sweeps are identified by the treasury management system straight away and allocated to the correct intercompany loan account. All treasury management systems nowadays will uh, capitalise the interest or calculate the interest on it. So you just need to input all the your interest terms that you want to apply to it, any uh, overdraft or limits and penalties if there is any penalties applied if they breach them limits and the system should be able to monitor all that pretty seamlessly as I said previously the when you have third-party sweeps uh, that adds a layer of complexity all right but when you're in the initial process you just need to be conscious when you're talking to the third-party bank do you agree you're referencing on the the MT uh, one or three that they're going to send so when you get it into your header account it's easily identifiable that this is a sweep in relation to from this counterparty we usually have something like you know net sweep and then the account number included in field 80, uh, 86 of the MT940 so that you can tell your treasury management system if it has that reference there it goes to this intercompany loan and that as long as you you know think about all that at, at the in outset yeah. It will mean that your day-to-day -day operations is pr 
pretty seamless and okay. the reporting then month in like most treasury management systems will issue an intercompany loan statement yeah. out automatically yeah. whenever so it's so it's so so good. the solution is there right and it's 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 achievable and it really shouldn't be off putting for no. someone to as yeah. long as you have the technology, it yeah. is quite yeah. manageable. And I, obviously, we provide these sorts of services. So, mm. so the other option, of course, is to outsource that technology, um, yeah. which means that it's completely seamless. But when that happens, then you know, where does the integration come between the treasury management system and 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 the client side infrastructure, so to speak, in terms of you know tracking intercompany balances from a from a uh, balance sheet perspective mm. and the likes. So, like uh, from an outsourcing perspective, once. Uh, uh, we, we feed everything into our treasury management system. There's a seamless process then where our treasury management system will create an accounting file or whatever, uh, in a, whatever format they require for their um, uh, accounting system. And that will be just uh, automatically uploaded into their system okay. seamlessly. Yeah. Um, and you would manage all interest accruals and statements and all that sort of yeah, stuff? Yeah, everything so. is managed okay. here. Okay. So they'll just get yeah. the end result. So two options, either internal or external, but both very doable um, yeah. and shouldn't be shouldn't be things that, that that put you off okay very interesting so maybe just to wrap up guys um if there was if there was sort of one thing that you would ask people to sort of beware of <laughs> when they're examining you know what might work for them from a cash pooling or, or liquidity management perspective you know what what would be that thing that you would that you would sort of say look just be careful of this or take this into consideration yeah i suppose the cost is the obvious one and yeah. i suppose not to um, not to be afraid of to go the hybrid model like yeah. not to be like pigeonholed into yeah. one specific physical or notional that um you know one size doesn't fit all so be open to customization on it i suppose as well yeah. keep your keep keep your mind open keep your mind open yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, mine would be to think of the end result of how you're going to get the day-to-day -day operations of it and how you're going to manage that uh like have your technology and know how your process is going to work at the end and then when you're talking to your bank you're know what you need, what you want, yeah, and it'll be easier to design it to correct from the outset without yeah. having to go back and tweak it. Yeah, so so keep an open mind, but know where you want to go kind yeah. of at, the, at the same time. Yeah, yeah. understood. Okay. Eileen Chain, thank you very much. That was really interesting to hear your, your thoughts and insights there. You have to go back now and actually work with managing these liquidity pools. So it's, uh, it's great to have you know, the practitioner's view uh, on, on, on these things. And I know, as Shane mentioned earlier, you know, you're managing over 40 um, sort of cash pools across all these different uh, sort of structures that we talked about. So you know, there's quite a, quite a bit of diversity within that yet. Funnily enough, we see common themes that people should probably um, be, be aware of. You know, so thanks again, guys. Folks, thank you very much for taking the time to uh, listen in and, uh, to, us, to us today in this FDI Treasury Talks. So we hope you found it uh, interesting. Um, we're always available for conversations around uh, Treasury issues. Um, as we mentioned, we, we manage um, the outsourcing of uh, a whole range of um, Treasury operations, including, uh, as we discussed today, liquidity pools um, uh, and cash management for um, in-house banks and uh, multinational organisations, as well as a range of other treasury services, including um, uh, the likes of intercompany netting, forecasting, etc. Uh, if you'd like to get some more information or get in touch with us, please just pop over to our uh, website, ftitreasury.com, uh, and you'll find a lot of resources there. And as I said, we're always open to a conversation, so please stay in touch. Thanks very much.